be an old-fashioned street fight. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We brought the gloves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We got taped up. Yeah. It's the yeah. jam, girl. Yeah. And at the end, boom. Welcome into our second installment of the Short Haired Dog, a podcast 100% devoted to Wofford Terriers athletics. I'm your host, Michael Bennett, alongside my co-host, Kevin Bennett. KB, how you doing tonight? Doing good, man. A uh, little bit down from, from last week. I know we'll jump into it. Kind of a kind of a heartbreaking loss, but uh, one that the Terriers are going to have to swallow and go forward and, uh, you know, see how we can do from there. Yeah, it's, it was a tough loss to Terriers lose by a field goal to Sanford on homecoming in Spartanburg at Gibbs Stadium. This past Saturday, uh, the Terriers came into the game ranked fifth in the nation. Uh, Sanford came in ranked at 14th, I believe. So um, certainly not a huge upset, but an upset nonetheless as the Terriers fall to the Bulldogs by a field goal. Uh, Kevin, what was your um, main take from the game just overall? What, what do you think ultimately plagued the Terriers I think on one, I think one thing that's so frustrating is uh, I think it's pretty clear from – I know – most Walford fans will say this, but I think any fan, any outsider that watched the game would say that Walford was the better team. Um, I think that was pretty clear. Uh, just the self-inflicted wounds that uh, the Terriers um, experienced in the game. Uh, I think we, I think we saw seven total fumbles, including you know the snaps, um, yeah, which were which is something that we'll get into as well. Um, but I think the self-inflicted wounds is what is what really hurt the Terriers. But the fact that they were still in the ball game with a chance to win really should have won there at the end. Um, you know that that speaks volumes to the talent and really the will that the Terriers have. Um, but it's hard to overcome all those self-inflicted wounds, um, the lost fumbles, the interception there at the end, um, some just some plays that just were bizarre, some mm -hmm. bizarre plays that just didn't go the Terriers' way. Um, that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, you keep playing with fire like the Terriers have this season with all those close games. You're eventually going to get burnt. That's the way it goes. Um, but, you know, it's like we said, sometimes sometimes a loss can really wake a team up. And uh, the way this Terrier team is assembled uh, with some of the senior leaders, I feel like they're going to use this as motivation to hopefully not lose again, have another long run this season, and, um, you know, Build off of this. I know this is a low point. You lost to a team that you felt like you were better than. But, you know, uh, keep going forward. Swallow this loss, and as heartbreaking as it was, and uh, move forward. Yeah, it's just a, just one of those losses where, you know, I feel like Sanford every year, Sanford's pretty much the same story. Yeah. Um, even, even early on when they came into the SoCon, it just seemed like to me that they came in as they came into the league every year – Seems like people wanted them to be a big-time contender, um, not only just in the SOCOM, but from the Nationals' perspective. And, and even last year, after they beat us, everybody started clamoring and said, oh, man, Sanford's really on the map. To me, Sanford is a, is a good football team. Don't get me wrong. They're a good football team, but are they great? Are they elite? No. I don't think it's even close. Their defense no. was – they were gassed there at the end. If Wolford would have had a little more time, there's no way they would have held them out of the end zone there. Um, but we had to go to the pass considering there was a minute to go in the game. But uh, I, I think, personally, Sanford's going to lose a game down the stretch. They do every year. I think they'll lose to somebody they're not supposed to. Um, but for whatever reason, they've had Walford's number. And got to give them credit. I mean, Devlin Hodges is a great quarterback. I mean, Coach Hatcher's obviously done a good job over at Sanford. Uh, and they've got some athletes on that team. But to me, I thought it was very, very clear that Walford was the better team. And actually – you know, you would almost rather see Wofford, if they're going to lose a game, let it be where the defense was sort of plagued. Right. You know, a team that, you know, really shut the Citadel's offense down. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we gained 383 against them. I mean, you take some of those snaps away that were errant, that, you know, we know we lost 20 yards on those. 
um, we would have had over 400 yards rushing. Yeah. And so that that goes to show you that that's that's a good sign for the Terriers. A lot of I mean, even the years we've had really good teams, what's played us is our offensive production. Mm-hmm. And you know, to lose a game, even though you played that well on offense, you know, it's maybe a maybe a good thing for the future. And and I, you know, I, I personally, the thing about it is, Joe Newman played a really good game. I mean, when he came in, he was definitely a spark. I mean, I think he's the the running ability that he has to that triple option, that running threat. It scares the crap out of those defenses. Yeah. And the thing about it is, though. Brandon Goodson might have been playing one of his best games his whole career at Walford. Yeah. And he, they pulled him. Well, I think But, that but I, I think it, it got to the point where there were so many turnovers that they just had to go for a big play. And they think Joe was more the guy to go for that. Well, it's like you it's like you said, Brandon was playing a good game, but when we were saying it up in the stands, it's like maybe the coaches saw that there were some lanes that were open and we're not saying like we've said before, Brandon Goodson is not slow by any means, as he broke a lot of runs Saturday, but you know, there were some times that you know Joe Newman could break off some long runs, and he showed that there in that fourth quarter when he got into action. But you mentioned you mentioned there in the fourth quarter that the Sanford defense defense was gassed, and um, getting into the kind of the analysis of the game here, early on in the first quarter, you could tell that the Terriers were going to be going to be able to move the ball on Sanford, and they did that. Um, defense got a stop there on fourth down on the first possession of the game. Um, they, we kind of got a little, uh, we kind of got a little hint of what we were going to see all day with, uh, the Sanford center snapping over the head of the tailback back there. Um, and we, we of course fall on him in the backfield and get the ball and immediately drive down the field. First play of the game, I think was maybe a, a seven or eight yard pass out to Lennox McAfee out of the backfield. So the Terriers all of a sudden are starting out the game, uh, passing the ball, um, kind of opened up our running game there from the, the from the beginning, but you know, the drive stalls. Nothing doing after a after a snap over the head of Brandon Goodson. Who, man, that's just. Let's go ahead and address it, Mike. The whole the whole centering, the whole snap. You have to you have to commend Rue Daniels for trying to play. Um, he was injured to start out the year. Um, got back in the Western Carolina game. Got injured right there. I think it was. It was, it, was it in yeah, overtime? I think it was, was in I overtime. I think it was the possession, yeah. that first possession of overtime. Um, he comes back, you know, has a big wrap over his injured wrist or forearm, and uh, but it was his snapping arm, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, which he showed that he could still be effective blocking, but I think it may be a thing where it was tough gripping the football to snap it back there to to Brandon Goodson or, or Joe Newman or whoever was back there. But um, man, it just threw off the rhythm so bad of the offense. We we noted a couple times up there when we were watching the game that there were some times when when Nelson and Stoddard got five yards, and we were like, man, they could have broke that for thirty. Yeah. Um, that where Brandon had to reach up and grab the ball and then get it back down in, mm-hmm. down into the arms of whatever fullback was back there. Um, you know, it just throws it just throws off all the timing. You know, the the offensive linemen have their lanes there; they have them open. Um, but you have to hit that lane when it's open, yeah. and you know when you when you when you're an option an option offense, and you get thrown out of rhythm, it can throw everything off. Yeah. And like I said, we were still getting four and five yards on those plays that were thrown out of rhythm. So that shows the potential that the offense has. But when your center quarterback exchange is off, um, it can throw everything off. Well, you know, Rue was a great is a great blocker though. I mean, then yeah. that's the reason they were getting five and six yards. Yeah, even even despite the bad snaps, is because he was plowing into those guys. You could definitely tell the difference. You got to ask yourself though, why why don't you go under center more? I mean that that's a question you you might you might ask. You know you might even ask why is Rue even in the game? But considering what a great blocker he is against, and that's a, coming into the game, Walford was really concerned about their defensive front. So I mean I can see why you try Rue if at all possible because he is the upperclassman. And, you know, sometimes Rue's 90% might be better than anybody else's at that spot. But, you know, Blake Gerasati came in and, he, you know, he played early in the season, you know, since Rue had the knee injury and really did a good job. So, I mean, he does get in there, though, um, and, and is able to sort of right the ship with the snap. So I don't think he's quite the blocker that, that Rue is at this point in his career, which we forget. Um, Jarosadi's what a redshirt freshman. Yeah. Um, so so he's still early on, and if you'll remember, even when Rue was a young player, he wasn't the the blocker that he is now. So, 
but a, but a good job nonetheless. But definitely the snaps plague the Terriers, and I mean, and I and I hate it because Rue's one of my favorite favorite players, and and, it, and he'll be the first to address it. I think he actually took himself yeah. out of the game from what from what I gathered. He sort of was hitting himself on the helmet, sort of saying, "Hey, get me out of here, man," because yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm causing these guys the game. Yeah, and and I think and that's the thing. Rue was out there giving it his all, and you that's a gutsy performance to even go out there and try right. that, and to go out there and be going as hard as he was takes a lot of toughness and. I, it, it was, hey, I mean, those it, things it was hard. It was hard to watch, mm-hmm. first of all, because like you said, he's a. Everyone knows Rue Daniels, one of the hardest workers on the team. Um, but you know, I kind of put that a little bit on the coaches. Like you said, I know the I know the defense the defensive line from Sanford. You know, had them a little bit worried. Um, so that's kind of why you push Rue back in. I know he's willing to play it at any point if he at all possible can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes out there. I can see maybe messing one up. But once the second one, if you're the coaches, you're like, okay, this just isn't going to work. And they left Rue out there. And like you said, eventually, you know, he was like, man, I'm costing these guys the game. I can't do this. So he eventually took himself out. That's, you know, that's that speaks volumes to what he is for a teammate for him. He, he could easily go out there, kept trying to play, and, you know, maybe had some more, you know, errant snaps. But he decided to take himself out. If you're the coaches, though, I mean, that's just, like I said, throwing off the rhythm, just drive killers. We say, yeah. we talk about drive killers all the time, whether it be penalties or any of those, uh, a fumbled pitch or anything. But those were drive killers. When, yeah. they, when it would go over the head of Goodson or Newman and they would have to fall on it or one of the backs fall on it, that just throws everything off. Mm-hmm. And getting back to that first drive, you know, we were rolling, the errant snap, that kind of kills the drive. We pretty much hold Sanford in check the entire first half. Yeah. Until the end of the first half when I just, I mean I have to say I didn't I did not agree with the play calling from the Terriers there. We had the ball, we had a chance to go down and score and it just didn't happen. Yeah. And we kick it to them with I think a little over a minute left. They get it right around the 10-yard line, I believe it was, or right in front of us and go ultra soft on the defensive side of the ball. Um and they Hodges picks us apart. They score with what fifteen or sixteen seconds left in the first half, and tie up the ball game. And then they get the ball in the second half as well. So you know that no, they didn't. We got the ball in the second half. Yeah, we got the ball in the second half. But you know, still to go in tied when we had them. When, when in all reality, the Terriers could have been up twenty-one to nothing at halftime. Yeah, I mean that's not very far fetched uh, for them to come back and score there on that last possession uh, for them in the first half was really. That, that really hurt the Terriers going into the half because, like I said, we had pretty much held a pretty high-octane offense in check uh, for about 29 minutes before yeah. we give them the ball. And um, it's just I, I hate I, – and I don't know for a fact that it was the prevent defense, but I hate pulling the defenders off. Mm-hmm. And, and if you give Devlin Hodges time and you let him pick a defense apart, he's going to do it. And say so that that's – that it was just tough. I think I mentioned it right before they did that. Hey, we can't give it up anything cheap here, yeah. uh, and and we did just that. You just can't. I, look, I know it's late in the game, and I know you don't want to get burnt on something deep. I, I I get those concepts there, but you know when you you let Hodges sort of stay back there, and, and I feel like the post route was open all day. It was there. I mean yeah. that that sort of a, that deep throw across the middle was there all day along with the little dink and dunk two yarders as well were, were there all day long too and yeah you know you try to dial up something to be more aggressive but hey if, if even if they break through and get to the quarterback Hodges did a good job of getting out of there and and making plays nonetheless and it's it's tough I mean like you said do, do you think it got down you know we held them in check for 29 minutes or however long it was do you think it got to a point where the Walford defense sort of got worn down? I mean, it, they were out. It seemed like even though we were stopping them, we were stopping them on fourth downs. Uh, they missed a field goal, things like that, where they had actually drove and ran a lot of plays. I don't know how many total plays they ran in the first half, but do you think it's a situation where the Walford defense might have been a little winded there at the end? It very well could have been. And, you know, you notice there on that last drive of the first half that the Terriers were getting no pass rush on Hodges. Even in those first couple of drives, they were at least getting back there in his vicinity. Mm-hmm. Um, on that last drive, he no, was standing back there flat-footed. And that's what happens when you rush three and drop everyone in coverage. Yeah. Um, and, you know, soft coverage at that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like you said, they were picking apart those little out routes. Uh, I felt like they did that the entire second half. 
Um, what what was frustrating about it, and I said this to you, it's like they used that last drive of the first half to figure out what they could do against us, and that's what they did in the second yeah. half, um, which is frustrating because, uh, like you said, we had held them in check for about 29 minutes uh, until that last possession. But nonetheless, they go down score, tied up at seven, and we go to the half. Um, and, and I don't think you can blame everything on the defense in no, that touchdown just because no. – I mean, my gosh, how many drives were we driving and just fumble the ball right. and just do m- stupid mistakes, just like holding and things like that? That I mean, I don't know how many penalties we've had this year, but I would be willing to guarantee you, out of out of Ayers' thirty years he's been at Walford, this has to be one of the highest years. They are a very penalized they, team. It's and, been crazy. And when this you year. like you said, when you run the offense like we run, anything, any negative yardage is a drive killer oh, yeah. in most uh, circumstances. A holding call is pretty much a, a death sentence. You might as well go right. ahead and get the punter warmed up. Yeah. So, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, some of the offense, you know, the offense not being able to score more in that first half, although very effective, just not able to score, be it yeah. a fumble or a high snap or a ticky-tack penalty yeah. to, uh, you know, to back them behind the line and then putting the defense back on the field, like you said. Um, so, we go into the half – Tied at seven. What were your thoughts at the half? I mean, I felt disappointed. I, I, I felt as if we'd missed our chance. Yeah. And I think I even said that at half. I think we've missed our chance to really get up on these guys and and to take control of this game. I thought we could have done it really early on in the game. Um, but we didn't get it done. And well, for whatever reason, we let, we let Sanford drive right down the field there at the end. Your momentum, not only is the game tied, but they go into the locker room with all the momentum. Yeah. Saying, oh, we can do this now. They, it's like they got their footing. When you're on, when you're stepping on somebody's throat, you got to go ahead and choke them out. You can't just let them, let them off the hook. Well, it's like you said. I think we were talking about this with a team with an offense like Sanford and a quarterback like Hodges. You have to score all the points you can. Yes. You can't be leaving those points on the field and off the scoreboard like the Terriers are doing, fumbling in Sanford's territory. Going for, forward on fourth down and not getting it. Right. You, you've you got have to, to get – even if it's three, yeah. you have to get something. And, and that's the biggest thing. Like, with somebody like Citadel or, you know, one of these other teams that, that predominantly run the football, especially another option team, you right. can afford to take a lot of chances. You can go for the win. You can go forward and do that sort of thing. And they're not going to make you pay. You have so many plays where Walford guys have had a knack for all of these years for coming up with the big play. You've got so many more plays to make that happen without them really hurting you. But when you can throw it down the field and make plays with an up-tempo offense, you're in trouble. Yeah. And 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 that's honestly, that's what I thought at the half. I thought we might be in trouble here because I thought they got some of Walford's best offense all year and we had seven points. Right. And Which is very frustrating. That's brutal. Yeah. I mean, that that's – I don't know how many yards rushing we had at the half. But we should have had more points than seven. I, I mean, agree. Now, Mike, we mentioned bizarre plays, and it couldn't get more bizarre than the opening kickoff of the second half when Lennox McAfee takes the kickoff, breaks a scene, has a scene, everyone's standing, oh, he's gone, and all of a sudden trips and falls for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I, I was trying to look on the replay on the scoreboard. Did the kicker get his foot in there some kind of I way? I didn't think he did. I didn't think he did either. It looks like he just slipped and fall, which it happens. Uh, somebody it, on the grounds crew is going to get fired. Yeah, but look, <laughs> it absolutely happens to the best of them. Yeah. But what an inopportune time. Oh, yeah. Imagine if if McAfee takes that opening kickoff of the second half back. Terriers go up 14-7. We could be talking about where they just come out and, like you said, step on the throats of Sanford, yeah. and that's it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen. No. And still, another good drive going. We yeah. got around midfield there, and then the Chase Nelson fumble, which we lost that time. Was was that the fumble drive, or was that the one where McAfee was going to do the reverse pass and no, got that, it stripped? No, that was another. That was. We'll get to that in a second okay, as well. That was um, Nelson fumbled too. on that first possession. Um, so then Sanford takes the ball. Getting into another drive, like you say, Goodson's still in the game at this point. We are in Sanford territory once again, and then we try that reverse. Pa- is McAfee left-handed? Yeah, is he, he left- is. So he's and going he, up with his left yeah, hand, and, and he it, threw the halfback pass to um, Jason Hill at Presbyterian. That's right. That's so, right. I forgot like, all about that. I, that's not a terrible call, but you just have to ask yourself. You know, after you throw it for two hundred and something yards against Citadel, and you were throwing it this week pretty accurately. Why do you have to go gadget plays when it's third and long? Yeah, you know, and but 
Get what you can. If you're going to go for but, go for it on fourth, go for it on fourth. But that if it, with those gadget plays, it's either all or it's feast or famine. Yeah, and and that's I, that's one thing that you know I know we don't we're not able to watch the film and all like like the coaches are. And hey, they might have saw something that a serious advantage there that they thought they had back there in the back end to to pull that off. You know, we, we're not sure. But you know, just playing devil's advocate, you just have to say, man, that's just. It's feast or famine, and you can't afford to do that on a on an option team. I, to me, that's been us all year. Yeah, uh, we've had a lot of big plays, a lot of exciting plays, but we've also had some terrible, terrible blunders. Yeah, just some bonehead and, plays, and, and and it's just very uncharacteristic of a Walford team. And what what's frustrating what's frustrating about it is this is probably. I mean, I know we weren't alive, but like I said, we were alive for all the glory days of Walford football from the two thousands on is the best time of Walford football. This might be the most talented team. Matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is the most talented team, for talent-wise, Walford has ever had. I agree. And, like, the tailbacks, for instance, like we mentioned, Lennox McAfee, Morgan, they both played pretty well, although McAfee had a few tough plays. And yes, I think he'd be the first to say that. It was not his best game. But, man, look at what athletes those guys are. We've never had tailbacks like that. No. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out and just say it. And – it's just so frustrating when you see those kind of like the move. Did you, did, man, the pitch out to, uh, oh, I think it was an end around, sort of a, sort of a handoff to McAfee going going towards the right, towards the visitor stands, and they've got him hemmed up about five yards deep in the backfield. Yeah, and all of a sudden he puts about four moves on dudes, and I think he turns it into I'm not sure what the gain was, but it had to be, you know, ten fifteen yards maybe, but just a great run by him. So. Go ahead. Well, getting into back to, into the scoring and the flow of the game, um, Sanford scored with a little under seven minutes left in the third quarter to go up fourteen to seven. It was a eleven yard pass from Devlin Hodges to Clark Miller, uh, so fourteen to seven Sanford. Then you know, kind of goes back and forth where the Terriers. I think maybe that's when we saw um, the McAfee fumble, um, and on that on that bizarre trick play you said there. Um, and then you know some other some other. Um, Drives going back and forth. Then the Terriers put together a 14-play, 68-yard drive, taking seven minutes off the clock, and they score there 14-14 um, to, to tie it up at 14. So, you know, you get back in the ball game. I'm, I'll be honest with you, Mike. When they tied it up at 14, it entered my mind that we're still going to find a way to win this game, uh, just the way that they've been playing this season. Um, but, you know, what, what, what was – Frustrating is it only took Sanford three minutes to go down and take a 21 to 14 lead. Um, Chris Schelling with a 23 yard pass from Devlin Hodges, 70 yards on eight plays only took three minutes off the clock. So that means that they were gashing us on that drive. And uh, it's like you said, there were some seam routes and some out routes that were there all day. All day long. That last one, I think, is the one we fell asleep on. Yeah. Hodges should have – he was dead to rights back there. Yeah. And I think our just our defensive secondary just falls asleep. It's kind of a throwback play. A dude standing there wide open and scores. Yeah. And that's just so hard to watch, especially when you, you've you had him, you know. And yeah. It's just – I don't know. It's a lot. I don't know how to – So <laughs> any other way to say that. By this time, Joe Newman has entered the game for the Terriers at quarterback – um, like we said, Brandon Goodson played an excellent game back there he did. for the Terriers at quarterback. He continued what he's done all season, which is not turn the ball over, which <laughs> that first score or the first – as he was running in on that first touchdown, all he had to do was cut back in, and hey, he, he walks in untouched. Oh and he just runs into the back of – I believe it may have been R.J. Taylor out there <laughs> blocking, and uh, the defender just knocks it out. And we all just, oh. I'm like, what no, are you yeah. doing, dude? Um, but I guarantee you, Brandon would tell us that was the wrong decision there. Yeah. Um, but luckily, they do get in on that drive. But moving back into the fourth quarter, Joe Newman enters the game, and a whole new dimension of the Wofford offense has opened up as he's just dancing around, putting some moves on some on some linebackers. He had those guys on skates back there. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's fun to watch as he can run the – is he can run that legendary Walford triple option very well. Um, I've seen some guys that's not that's haven't you know. They're that, sort of unorthodox. Yeah. They're not. They're not like the similar the the old school style. And I think Goodson's got a little bit in him. But yeah. I think 
Uh, Newman with his speed is so like we've seen some guys that's unorthodox. They got the job done. I mean, right. people like Michael Weimer mm-hmm. was not a traditional option quarterback. He sort no. of had an odd. He was tall for one, tall, which, lanky, know, yeah, but, but fast. I mean, he was yeah. a pretty good athlete. He actually played receiver. Some was it last year he played receiver, or was uh, it year before last? Yeah, his senior year. Um, so so anyway, Weimer was a guy like that. Um, we've we've had some other ones, you know, but but like you said, I think this. Newman is sort of like um, Mitch Allen and Ben Widmeyer and, and Travis Wilson and guys like that we've had over the years who were pretty, you know, a, a true option out there to run that ball. You know, if honestly the thing that the, the thing that makes Joe Newman so good, I, I know that Goodson's not a terrible runner, but he's so, you don't take a real step back running the ball between either him pitching it like you can pitch it to Blake Morgan or McAfee. And they can do something with it. But Joe isn't far from being as good as they are, if not better at times, right. at, at carrying the load. And Goodson will probably tell you this himself. He knows he's not fleet of foot as those guys, and he knows he's not the, the gifted runner like them. But, you know, I, I think I, I'm calling for it now. I think it's time for the Walford coaching staff to let both of these guys, both of them, play. Well, here's the thing. And, and I, the thing about it is Goodson has to play. He, yeah. The way he manages the he's game. He's too consistent and he's too and, much of a good game yeah, manager. Yeah, and how yeah. he's able to not screw up and keep us in the ball game is is vital. But they've got to let Joe Newman play. He's yeah. too good of an athlete to have on the bench. I mean, he didn't play a snap against Citadel, did yeah. he? No, and, and the thing about it is he's not the passer. So I get why they maybe didn't give him a shot in that game is because, you know, they were rolling with goods and passing the ball. Mm-hmm. And why, you know, why break up? you know, what they had going out there. But like you said, you have to let Joe Newman play. And this is kind of this is kind of the first time that I remember this where, you know, the Terriers have had two quarterbacks that have been so different. It seems like when they've run the two quarterback system, they've kind of been the same. You take Jeff Zolman and Trey Rogers, they were kind of the same guy. One was kind of the better passer, but not by much. Yeah. Then you go even to Josh Collier, Ben Widmeyer. They were kind of the same. Yeah, it's at least close. Right, and they're different. Then you take Ben Widmeyer, Mitch Allen. Still, Mitch Allen faster. Bit, not the passer, but not but, the passer. Widmeyer, but they're still kind of the same. Right, yeah. he, right here though, Joe Newman is you know way faster than Brandon yeah. Goodson, and Brandon will tell you that. But good, but I'm sure Joe Newman would tell you that Brandon Goodson is by far the better passer. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it this clear cut, and and really. In a way, it's it's almost to Walford's demise. Yeah. Because they almost can say in there, all right, we can load the box if Joe Newman's in there because he can't pass. But honestly, you know, looking at that last drive as they made their way down the field, Newman made some excellent. He throws. made some decent throws. Yeah. And, and you know that one there at the end, you know, was tough. But and I know we'll get into that later. But um, I I think he's probably an underrated passer himself. But. I think it's, like you said, a lot of difference between those guys. I mean, Goodson's a way better passer at this stage. So, Mike, where we left off, the Terriers trailing 21-14. to 14. Um, And then, like I said, Joe Newman's in the ball game. They go on a four-play 59-yard drive, taking only two minutes and one second off of the clock. So, scoring with 6-11 left in the game, the Terriers tied up at 21. That was the drive where really Joe Newman just gashed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Stoddard took one there up the middle. Uh, gained, I think it was anywhere from 18 or 25 yards there. And then, of course, Joe Newman, that was when he kind of put the brakes on that one guy in the middle of the field and uh, scampered on in uh, to tie it up at 21. Now, this is a this is a sequence of events that's going to be talked about a lot. And, and, and getting back to that when they scored, I felt good at that moment. Yeah, I, thought, I did too. I thought, hey, we're going to win this game. But And I, we were sitting there thinking, if the Terriers can get a stop here, we're going to win this ball yeah. game because they could not stop Joe no, Newman. They couldn't stop any, anything. They yeah. looked terrible on defense here at the end, but we did too. So, Well, here's the thing. <laughs> on the first play where Sanford takes the ball, they're at the 25 after a after a uh, touchback from, from Luke Carter. Um, so Hodges takes a snap. We rush. I think we rushed four on that play. Maybe even five. Uh, maybe even five. And I know Tyler Vaughn and Miles Brown converge on Devlin Hodges. In the process, Tyler Vaughn's helmet comes off, and the ball falls at his feet. He falls on the ball. Now, and, and looking back on that today, I don't know that he didn't get blocked down. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. The ball. It looked like he had he tried to stay back, and then he had no choice but to fall on the ball. Yeah, I mean, he he literally but got slammed onto the ball. I thought in a game where the referees 
were awful. And I'm usually yeah. not one to, you know, bash the refs. You know, that's part of it. Refs are bad. All refs are bad. All refs suck. For so, the most part, yeah. So that's just part of the game. You deal with it. But at this point, of course, the call that they get right is the call that is on a rule that makes zero sense. That's terrible. And is completely <laughs> goes completely against the Terriers. And guys, I, you may not you may be listening and say, oh that was terrible, but it's the right call. Yeah, by the rule, by book, the rule book, that is the right call. If a player continues to play without his helmet, that's illegal participation, 15 yard personal foul. And what makes it so bad is Mike, we finally got back there to Hodges. We finally hit him. He fumbles. We fall on the ball at the Sanford 25, and, of course, it had, had to be Tyler Vaughn that was that recovered the fumble, and flag comes out. Who, who by the way, got his helmet ripped off. Yeah, and that that, that's the thing about that, it. That, that's, why can't we go back and review that and say, hey, the offensive lineman, it, what do you think Vaughn did? Unstrapped his chin strap <laughs> yeah. and threw his helmet off? Yeah. No. no. He got it ripped off by a lineman pushing up on his face mask. And right. The, my thing is, how in the world does a rule – in, in college football calls you from recovering the ball at the Sanford 20-something yard line to not only no, you don't get the ball, but you give them 15 more yards. Right. That's just – it's crazy. It's one of the worst plays. It's right up there with some of the worst plays in Walford history other than that face mask against Jay Bo Shaw in Georgia Southern. They called on Alex Goldtree. That was Ooh, absolute, That was bad. That yeah. was absolute blasphemy that they would call something like that. But, I mean, it's borderline – Arkansas Walford in the NCAA tournament bad. Yeah, it's, with the Cochran jersey pool. It's borderline yeah. that bad. Yeah, um, homeboy couldn't stop Cochran, so he just <laughs> reaches out and grabs his jersey and likes to rip it off, and they don't yeah. call anything. There's still shots of that. Go look that up. That'll really make you day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mike, what gets me about it, too, is how can that be a rule in football? If you're a football player and the first thing that enters your head when your helmet comes off is like, oh, i got to stop playing. I may get hurt. Oh, no. That's the dumbest thing. Yeah, anybody, You're going to keep going. Like it happened to Taylor Stallworth. I don't know if we have any South Carolina fans listening, but it happened to Taylor, Taylor Stallworth, the defensive tackle. They went back. He was in on a sack on Jared Guarantano, who's the quarterback for Tennessee in that game. Um, sack on third down, four, and it, you know that would have created fourth down. But since Stallworth continued to play without his helmet, 15 yards, first down, for Tennessee, and it happened – the exact same thing happened in the Wofford game. Tyler Vaughn's helmet comes off, and really – I would like say Vaughn even did even less. It's like, yeah, he did way less. If he just goes down like that and he doesn't land on the ball, that's a no call. Yeah. Nothing is called. Right. And I don't know if some, at some point a Sanford assistant or, a, or the coach or possibly Hodges or one of the players mentioned something to the ref. Otherwise, that never would have gotten called because right. he went straight to the ground. Yeah, he did. I mean, it wasn't like he kept he clubbed him and then he went back there and sacked him. I would have said different then, but that's not what happened. And it's if just, you if you remember though, we were standing up there, and when they didn't immediately, you know, point Walford's way with the ball, I told you, I told y'all who we were standing up with. I said they're gonna call legal participation on this. You watch, and I saw them converging out there. I saw the. The refs out there, Lord knows what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's the right call by the rule book. It is it's the right call, rule. but it is a terrible, terrible rule. And it really come back to, to bite the Terriers. Um, Sanford proceeds to get those 15 yards and the ball back, go down. And the Terriers make a pretty good stand to, um, to you know, hold into a field goal. So it's 27 to 24. Terriers take the ball back over. Uh, with was it a is it 24 21? 20 what did I say you said 27 24. oh yeah 24 21 I couldn't remember either um, I was totally <laughs> yeah so 24 21 the score down um, by field goal nonetheless down by field goal so they come out and this is another bizarre play huh. the corresponding kickoff I don't know what you're doing if you're the Sanford kicker here I guess he was trying to pooch it but it's going directly out of bounds. And the thing about it, it might have been by design. It may have Because even Ellis Pace and McAfee had success all day. I mean, they Pace were, took one back to around to, the 45 yeah, as well. So. And, and that might have been, been the mindset, trying to at least make him field it, you know, at least where they can get him sort of towards the sideline. But, right. Because they had been gashing them. Their, Sanford special teams was not Not good. great. Not good at all. Not great. And um, But I, I, I don't know. You can't kick that ball out of bounds when you're no. only up by a field goal. So – you don't really know what the Sanford guy's thinking, but go ahead. Well, 
Lennox McAfee runs over to field the kick. Instead of letting it clearly bounce out of bounds, he tiptoe catches it in bounds and then falls out of bounds. Mm. And I'm sure he would tell you that's the complete wrong play. I know he's probably still hating himself yeah. for that and play. You, and you feel and you for feel him. bad yeah. for him because that's a crucial that's a crucial part of the game. But I mean that is that was the absolute that was tough. Tell, that was the absolute wrong thing yeah. to do in that in that and, situation. And he knows it. And, yeah. and the thing about it is he played a really good game. Yeah. McAfee's had a really good season. He has. He's got to be up there in rushing among yeah. the team. Is he not? Yeah. He's right up there at the top in yeah. rushing. And but you just hate to see a guy like that. Those two special teams blunders. And really the one where he tripped up and fall wasn't really a no. blunder because he still got us the ball around midfield. But that one in that crucial situation – really comes back to haunt and, you. And that one was sort of self-inflicted. Yeah. You know, the other one, sometimes you trip up and fall. Those things happen. We see it every single week in college football. Yeah. But to see something like that happen and get such bad field position when all you need is a field goal, and obviously you're gashing them. Right. If you get that ball, at, what would, what, where would where would Wofford hit him? Where would they have They would have gotten taken, it at the 35, and okay. he got, they took it at the 10. Okay. Um, so that's so, a 25-yard difference. And where did we get to there at the end? We got to the 18. Okay. So – that might be the difference. I, I think it changes your play calling altogether when you have to go 90 yards. Right. Because with Newman, the way he was running it, you could have run a little more option there if you had better field position. Yeah. But, like I said, you can't have that back. And to, to me, though, that's not the worst thing that happened on this on this last drive. And no. I'm not talking about the game, the last play of the game. I'll just leave you all with that cliffhanger. Well, you know, they take the ball to 10, like we said. First play, Newman makes a good throw to Blake Morgan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on a crossing route. Um, they continue to move the ball. I know they hit R.J. Taylor on a on a catch uh, across the middle there. It was one of those where he kept trying to get the extra yard. As we were like, get down, R.J., yeah. get it. And he knew exactly what he needed to do. He got down. Great play by R.J. Taylor to get some extra yards uh, in the Stoddard meantime. Stoddard gets the first down. Stoddard down. gets the first down. Uh, first down. Joe Newman runs the ball. Then um, we use a couple of our timeouts. Um, then – I think it's third and one. Third and one. We'll use one timeout. Use one timeout. Yeah. Third and one um, is when the defensive tackle for Sanford just bull rushes Blake Gerasati before he can get the ball off. Um, he falls back into Joe Newman, who takes the who takes the snap, and Joe falls down, and the refs call nothing. No, not a thing. Nothing, Mm-mm. and that just you oh, know it's terrible. You know, at least they were being consistent and being just god awful. The entire game, um, but you have to call something there. You have to call uh, encroachment. You have to call offsides. Something, but you don't see Blake Jarosati get bull rush like that. And the fact that he got ran over right back into Joe Newman, and they not call anything, is absurd. And then kudos to whoever was the coach that had the you no know, had the presence of mind to realize, oh crap, we have to take a timeout here because yeah. the clock's running. So the Terriers have to waste their last timeout there to or is it their last timeout? Um I can't remember. Anyway, you like uh, you waste yeah, a timeout. That I think was it. Because we had we had used one earlier in the game. Yeah. On or, earlier in the of, second half. Yeah, yeah, on some type of play that was sort of like, oh crap. I feel like it you, may have been on defense. Yeah, don't you hate to use the timeout in that scenario? Yeah. The other one was used, I think, to stop the clock. Right. But there was one early on in the uh in the second half that I think we called and I was like, Oh man, don't you hate to use a timeout on that? You know what, Mike? I'm I think though, getting back to the timeout, I think they used one to stop the clock mm-hmm. um there as they were as Sanford was kicking the field goal to go ahead. I think they used another one there around midfield, if I remember right, and then they used that one right there as as they didn't call the clear yeah. offsides. So and, that that was their last time out. And this was actually a first down. Yeah. What's so tough about that is the clock was stopped right. at this point before this play. Stoddard, the Stoddard run, I'm looking at the box score now, yeah. the Stoddard run was right before that. Mm-hmm. So the clock had stopped. Stoddard, after a seven-yard gain, Newman takes a snap, and it's, it's a clear offsides. How clear. This, on this earth? Do you miss that? I don't know. That is the worst. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, clear. to me, to me, that's even. How do you make the call on Tyler Vaughn? Yeah. And then miss <laughs> Not that. Not make that. That is pitiful. Yeah. And then it forces Walford to use their timeout when you probably they probably weren't running it on that play anyway. No. But because Jarosidi gets literally bull rushed into Joe Newman and knocks him down, the clock is still running with a loss of three yards. Just, right. just worst case scenario for the Terriers. And if you're the Referees, how on earth do you miss that? Just, like I said, just pitiful. All refs suck. Yeah, uh, it's part of the game. But in this point, at this in this instance, 
it cost the Terriers the ball game. Yeah. Um, so 18 seconds left. We're at the 18-yard line. Uh, the Terriers call a play here. I guess it's what? What's the down at this point on the last play? Uh, was it third, third and one? one? Third and one. Um, so Joe Newman takes a snap. And we were standing up there in the, stand, in the stands. I would have. I, I don't disagree with the play call. I would have taken a chance in the end zone. Um, but as everyone knows, Joe steps back, throws into double coverage. Whether he was trying to throw it out of bounds, maybe it slipped. Um, but an ill-advised throw, he would tell mm-hmm. you, um, into double coverage to Blake Morgan, who didn't really know where the ball was. He and, was kind of looking up, trying yeah. to find it, and angling toward it. And really, I think that was sourced to go towards the post. I, I, think, yeah. I actually think it was, and I think that might allude to it being a slip-out-of-his-hands sort of deal because, really, he, it would have been single coverage if he would have went towards the middle. Yeah, That wouldn't have been thrown into double coverage, but because the ball slips out of there wide, whatever, into double coverage, it gets intercepted. My only thing about that is, on the last play, I, I know that you would hope, you know, you got to you got to try to take a chance there. And I know that's not the Walford way of doing things to to lay back and just kick a field goal. They want to go for the win, and I, and I understand that. But the the only thing that I that I have a problem with is how do you not roll Joe Newman out? With it being third and one, I realize the the, the problem with him maybe getting sacked. I get that, but all he's got to get is one yard. Yeah. If he gets one yard, the clock stops anyway because you get a first down. Having him roll out freaks that defense out. Yeah. And and I just think not hit, him not rolling out lets him off the hook. But I agree. you got to look back. That whole drive, if you if you'll if you'll go back and watch, he stayed right in the pocket, almost flat footed in there. Mm-hmm. It was like he was going nowhere the whole way he the whole drive down there as he as he passed. So maybe he's better you know stationary if he's throwing it. I'm not sure Goodson's certainly good at rolling out and throwing it. So, yeah. But but it's just hard hard to see that, and you hate it for Joe Newman because he played such a good game, and I know he's probably kicking himself for that one. But you know, Joe, if, if somehow Joe listens to this, I hope he can can learn and realize what Brandon Goodson was able to do last year after the Citadel. Yeah. A game where you know he had the he had the pitch six where Kalik Williams takes it back for the score. Goodson had some tough games last year, but. As a young quarterback, a young starter, he learns from that and is huge down the stretch for Walford. So consistent. We, we don't yeah. get into the playoffs last year at all, much less go as deep as we did without the production of Brandon Goodson last year, period. And I know he might not be the sexiest pick for, you know, MVP of the team and things like that. I get that. But you have to about say last year we couldn't have done it without – without without Brandon Goodson. Well, you year. had to have some consistency back oh, there in the, back, in the in the backfield. Yeah. You start out with Evan Jacks getting injured. Then you throw Brad Butler in. He gets injured after three yeah. games. That's already two quarterbacks mm-hmm. that the offensive line and all the offensive players, um, you know, you get used to mannerisms back there, yeah. and you get used to tendencies, and you throw the third quarterback out there. And, what, and, and like you said, Brandon Goodson provided consistency last season. And, and he, he's done it for the most part this year, and, too. And he will admit to you that that was an ill-advised pitch against the Citadel, really cost the Terriers the game. But like you said, he used that as a learning experience, mm-hmm. and it did not happen again. And, and I think that's got to be the, the approach that Joe yeah. Newman's got to take. I, yeah. I think that's definitely what he's got to do. And, you know, this season's not over. Not at I all. I mean, I know a lot of people are, are down on the Terriers, but I just want to tell you that we're, we're sitting okay. Uh, if, if we win the rest of our FCS games, we're going to be – the rest of our conference games, I think we're going to be fine. We'll be fine, yeah. Uh, and we, right now there's, a what, a four-way tie. Of the four teams that are tied, we've beaten two of them. Right. Okay. And then so so here's how it's gonna go. All right. If if Sanford I mean if not Sanford, if Sanford wins out, okay, and we win out, and they and and Western loses, they'll get the auto Sanford will get the automatic bid. Now, yeah. if all three of us went out, so we went out, Sanford wins out, Western and wins Western out. wins out. And it's going to be a three-way tie for first. We've seen, we've we've read this book before, guys, and it's going to have the same ending. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We've had a three-way tie before. Everybody gets in, and then we'll see how we do once we get in the playoffs. If this happens, we've it's happened with us before with Appalachian State and Georgia Southern so many times. Yeah. Some of our better playoff runs were years that we did not win the SoCon. Mm-hmm. So we didn't win the SoCon last year either. We didn't even share. We didn't tie. We didn't win it. Yeah. But. 
it, that's not that's the beauty of playing the FCS. If this is Clemson, Clemson might be done. Right. But the Terriers aren't finished. If the Terriers get in, they're going to be a hard out for anybody that they play. Because Walford is an extraordinarily talented team and got incredible depth for an FCS team. And they're going to be hard out because they want it more than everybody else. And I think you're going to – sometimes, guys, a loss is right, is just what the doctor ordered. It's, it's exactly what you need as, as the best medicine you can take. Just because it gets you refocused say, hey, you know what, we can't play like garbage every week and keep winning. Because you have to at least say, I know we've had a great start and a good season so far. But for the most part, we've not played anywhere close to our best. But I think we can do that moving forward. I think so. And I think, like I said, I think this one's really going to wake them up. Because Walford was the better team Saturday. And, you know, just too many self-inflicted wounds cost them a win and staying undefeated. But like you said, the SoCon Championships, it's its still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sanford still has to play Western Carolina. They still have to play Furman. Well, they've already lost to them. No, I'm, I'm sorry. They had lost to Western. They still have to play Furman and Mercer, um, two teams that I'm kind of glad the Terriers got out of the way there the first couple of games of the season. Um, Furman looks real good. And really, Mercer does too. Both teams are really rolling. Um, so I'm going to be curious to see how Sanford responds to this win, first of all. Um, and how they, you know, how they stack up with Mercer and Furman in the upcoming weeks. The Terriers, of course, move on to East Tennessee State next week. That's a game where you can maybe see the Terriers take out some frustration. I would like to see them really put together a complete game mm-hmm. and really handle business. Uh, but, Mike, before we move on and go around the SOCON, um, let's finish with the box score. Um, I, we did forget to mention to say, of course, uh, the Sanford safety comes over, picks off the Joe Newman pass in the end zone. Sanford comes out. In the victory formation, downs it and wins the ball game. But getting into the box score, Devlin Hodges for Sanford finishes the ball game 37 for 54 for 422 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Um, he was sacked twice. Uh, passing for the Terriers, Joe Newman was three of five for 49 yards, and of course that interception. Brandon Goodson on the day was three of nine for 33 yards. Uh, moving into rushing, Chris Schelling was the leading rusher <coughs> for Sanford. He had two attempts for 24 yards, and Devlin Hodges had four attempts with a net of 15 yards. And moving into rushing for the Terriers, Joe Newman finished the game, it says here, uh, with a 105 gain, a loss of three, and a net of 102 yards and a touchdown, an average of 9.3 a carry. Uh, Andre Stoddard finished with 85 yards on 17 attempts and a touchdown. Brandon Goodson, 82 yards and a touchdown. Lennox McAfee, 54 yards. Blake Morgan, 50 yards. Chase Nelson, 37 yards and a touchdown. And Jamison Chapman had one carry for negative three yards. Receiving for Sanford, Kelvin McKnight. He finished the game with 11 receptions for 170 yards and a touchdown. Chris Schelling finished the game with 11 receptions for 141 yards and a touchdown. T.D. Marshall, he added 48 yards. Yasir El-Amin added 42 yards. Clark Miller added 20 yards and a touchdown, and that was a great catch by him. That's the tight end. That was an excellent catch right in front of us. And Moise Satine had one catch for one yard. Receiving for the Terriers, Lennox McAfee finished the game with three receptions for 35 yards. Blake Morgan had two receptions for 31 yards, and R.J. Taylor, one catch for 16 yards. So defensively, let's get in for the Terriers here. Malik Rivera led the Terriers with 11 tackles, Graham Massey with nine, Dontavius Wilson with seven, Mason Allstat with six, George B.C., Colton Clemens both with five, Devin Watson with four, Terrence Morris and Mikel Horton with three, and then you have JoJo Tillery and Miles Brown with two, Ulysses Strauder, Chase Nelson, Dominic Lemon, Brandon Brown, Daryl Vining, and Brandon Curtis, all with one for the Terriers. So, like we said, Mike, the Terriers were able to move the ball, but with a prolific offense like Sanford has, you can't. You got to get all the points you can. Yeah. All the self-inflicted wounds really cost the Terriers on Saturday. But like you said, put it behind you, move forward. The season is not lost. I know a lot of people are freaking out. This season <laughs> is not lost. It's still still on. We handle our business. We're still clearly in the playoffs. And once you get in the playoffs, you get hot, you can run the table. And we're, we're I mean, we've got as good a chance as anybody still winning the Absolutely. Winning the SOCON. Yep. I mean, we literally have the exact same chances of winning the SOCON as Western Carolina and Sanford. Mm-hmm. 
And I, and I, you know, everybody wants to say, well, and, and I guess you're looking at it from a from a rankings perspective. I know we've we've lost the closest to now, I guess. You know, in the in the most recent, we've had the most recent loss, but it's a loss nonetheless. Those teams have a loss as well. Yeah. So uh, Western Carolina lost to us, and Sanford lost to Western Carolina. So that's going to add a an interesting dimension to it. And I and you know, Furman might. Furman's tied too. Like we forget about that. They're only lost in conferences to us. Yeah. So so it's really a four way tie. So I guess there's a all four teams have an equal shot of shot of doing it. Mm-hmm. So for Furman, I mean, who would have ever thought they were going to be in this scenario? I'm telling I mean, you. T- talk about what a great coaching job Clay Hendricks has done. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, he's got to be SoCon Coach of the Year. I mean, has to be. If he's not, they need to just do away with the voting because he deserves it. I mean, he throws so many different looks on all on the offensive side <laughs> so of the ball. Multiple. You have no idea what they're going to yeah, run. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen a a guy come in like that and be so multiple. And yeah. Blazjowski, yeah. you know, I never thought he would be that great running the ball. But he's really done a pretty good job, and I'm just been—he's their version of Brandon Goodson. He's yeah. not turning the ball over, and he's not—he's not hurting. Yeah. He's not hurting the team. And man, just how they sometimes they'll get out in the eye, they'll get in the gun, they'll literally look like a West Coast offense at times. And you and you don't know and you what's don't coming. Know, yeah, you don't. And that's kudos to that coaching staff. I'm, I'm kind of glad we beat, we went ahead and beat them. Yeah, and Mercer as well. Mercer's yeah. playing good too. Because and and uh, Furman barely beat Mercer. Yeah, but Mercer was rolling just along with them too. So that's they were. Those are two tough teams we were very lucky to be. And like we said, Sanford still has to play both of those teams. Walford got them out of the way. Mm-hmm. Sanford still has to play both of those teams. They've already lost to Western. Yeah. So Western's the team that I'm worried about. Yeah. But if Western wins out, we got the tiebreaker. That's true. So that's that's the thing about it. Of the of the remaining teams, the remaining schedule, Walford has the easiest remaining schedule. Right. Which, uh, which I think says that the Terriers need to just handle their business, yeah. win out, and let everything else shake out. Western's the next easiest, then Sanford's the next easiest, and then Furman's is the hardest because they got to play Western and and Sanford in that stretch. Yeah. But they could potentially help the Terriers. If, if they not one of those teams, especially Sanford, if Walford just wins out, it's over. They right. got it. So, like I've said before, I think every year we try to clamor about Sanford. Oh, me, this is going to be Sanford's year. But it just doesn't ever seem to pan out. And I could be wrong. They might win out and look awesome, and kudos to them. They beat our tails the last two years. But but I, I'm like you. This has the makings of a team that's just your every year Sanford. That has a letdown. Yeah. They lose to And they're good they enough to beat you yes. if you have too many self-inflicted yeah. wounds, which is exactly what happened yeah. Saturday. They're a good enough team to beat you when you're not near at your best. You, right. can, you can't go out there and play awful and beat Sanford. Yeah. That's just not how they how they operate. They're too effective offensively. But that defense, I, I, I'm not very impressed with them. So I'm not either. I, I'm, very, I'm very interested to see how they're going to do against Furman. Because Furman's got so multiple, it's like they can't just sit around and say, well, we know what they're going to do. Because really, with Walker, for the most part, you kind of know what's coming. Right. But with Furman, I don't think you can say that. So, I don't know. Do we say go Paladins? I don't think we can say that. No, nope. I'm but not going to say it. I don't know. We can be closet Furman fans for, <laughs> for a week. Um, Mike, quickly, real quick. We're going to do this after every game. I want an offensive MVP and a de- defensive MVP from the game for the Terriers. This will kind of wrap up. The whole Sanford game this past Saturday, of course, the Terriers falling twenty-four to twenty-one to fall six and one on the season and four and one in the SoCon. So, um, you want me to go first? Yeah. All right. My offensive MVP is going to be Joe Newman. I know he had, I know he had a, a tough, a tough throw there at the end, uh, but very, you know, very effective when he got in the game there late in the second half. Ran for over a hundred yards um, in his limited time. Uh, we saw flashes of greatness there from Joe Newman. I think that's just signs of what's going what's going to be coming here in the next next few years with Joe Newman at helm of the of the Walford offense. Defensively, my defensive MVP is Mason Allstadt. He had a great game out there on the defensive side of the ball. He got in on. He had a sack. He also had an interception. Um, he he picked off a, a Devlin Hodges pass in the red zone uh, too. So a good game there from Mason Allstadt. Um, so my offensive MVP is Joe Newman. My defensive MVP is safety Mason Allstadt. Mike? Well, I'm going to the line for mine okay. on both sides of the ball. My offensive MVP is Ross Demmel. Okay. Ross Demmel looked good uh, on Saturday. He's 
I mean, he's, he's probably Walford's most consistent lineman, the left tackle. Yeah. Uh, number 62. Just had a really, really good game. And uh, on the defensive side, it's going to have to be Miles Brown for me. Uh, a guy that even when he's not in on the tackle just constantly disrupts what's going on. He's one of those guys that that's right up there with might be the best athlete on Walford's team. And I know you don't think that from a defensive tackle, a defensive lineman, but I'm going to tell you, I've, you don't see a lot of 300-plus guys like him move around the way he can and has great hands. I've, I've told you this since he got here, since the first first time I ever saw him play. I said, this guy's too good to be at Walford. Yeah. And that's how I still feel today. I feel like if he went to South Carolina right now, he could play. and uh, Or or any F, FBS team for that matter. So, like I said, giving it to Ross Demmel on the offense, the left tackle, and to the defensive end, Miles Brown on the All defense. All right. Good picks. Um, Mike, like we said, East Tennessee State next for the Terriers in Tennessee. One o'clock kickoff between the Terriers and what's their nickname? I know it. The Bucks. The Bucks. I knew that. The what Buccaneers. What's wrong with me? Yeah, well, come on, man. Um, so the Buccaneers and Terriers will kick off at one o'clock. Um, so tune in uh, on ESPN3, or if you're making the trip over, go cheer on the dogs. Um, Mike, what's your prediction for that game? Well, I think Walford is going to really exploit them. Uh, I, just, I agree. I just think after facing a team like Western Carolina, I think they actually faced them um, two two weeks ago on October 14th. So they've, they've coming off of a bye, which will help against Walford's offense. But you lose 49-10 to 10 to Western Carolina with a mobile quarterback. Uh Joe Newman plays a lot. It's going to be hard for me to imagine them being able to contain him. And even, heck, the way Goodson played Saturday, I just don't think the Bucks are going to have enough. But, hey, they, they're a team that's beating people. Um, last year they beat some teams they shouldn't have beaten. Did they Did they beat Sanford last year? I think uh, down the stretch. I they think, may have. I think they did. Yeah. And, um, and, they, and they've got some decent wins on their resume. So they're not a, they're not a terrible team. But I just think Walford's going to come out and, and take care of business and really – be extra focused this week. You want to give a score? Oh man, um, thirty-five to twenty, Walford. All right, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a, you know, a bigger gap here. I, I agree with you completely what you said. I think the Terriers are gonna take it thirty-one to thirteen. I think they're gonna really open it up and uh, and and get the Bucks there. Uh, in Tennessee, I mean, they've got some good. I mean, they beat Mercer. Yeah, but you take one, you lose to Citadel, thirty-one twenty-five, and Citadel wasn't at their best that game at all. Furman dogs them, fifty-six yeah. to thirty-five. You know, James Madison. Of course, nobody's beating James Madison, fifty-two to ten. Um, so that's understandable. But you just think, and then the forty-nine ten loss to Western Carolina. You'd think the Terriers are going to be able to beat these guys. You know, they're seventh in our conference. You just got to hope that. <laughs> The tears are able to knock them off. Well, Mike, we do want to say this as we're in and out the show uh, today. We got a great response to episode one. A lot of a lot of positive uh, responses. A lot of recommendations. Um, we've we've got some people that have that have you know requested to be on. We're getting those lined up. We have a uh, we're going to have a guest on our third episode. Um, episode three. Episode three. Going to want to emphasize three. It's going to be a. A former terrier, a number three. Yeah, we're not going to tell you who it is yet. We'll leave that up to your imagination. But we're <laughs> we're looking forward to it. We're looking looking forward to having having an interview and, and getting it getting it on the podcast here. But we really appreciate all the response that we have gotten from the first episode. Um, we hope that continues. Like we say, if you have any criticism, any kind of recommendations, uh, feel free to let us know. Mike, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook at The Short Haired Dog. And is it The Short Haired Dog Podcast on Facebook? I think so. I can't yeah. remember. But if you just look it up, you'll find us. Because otherwise, if you short, if you search up, search anything else with The Short Haired Dog, it just finds you a bunch of videos and tutorials about how to train a dog with Caesar, the, uh, the dog <laughs> trainer. So yeah. you should be able to find us on there. You'll see the Walford logo. But The Short Haired Dog Podcast on uh, Twitter as well, as well as SoundCloud, The Short Haired Dog Podcast, and new and improved we're to the apple podcast app now as well like and subscribe you and leave a review on leave there a as review well. give us some feedback and and that helps us helps us greatly with being able to keep us uh on the air and and keeping us coming to you and if you leave i tell you what guys if y'all leave a leave a review we'll read it on the air How well, about we that? will that, yeah. that that would just that would be splendid so, and also um 
What was I going to say? I don't know. I drew a blank. Sorry. Well, let's hope the Terriers don't draw another <laughs> blank and go out and get a win this upcoming Saturday, oh, Mike. Um, let's hope they, days. Let's hope they go out, handle business, and, uh, you know, the season's still intact. I know it a is. loss had, had left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, but it's still intact. So, Mike, this has been another fun episode. This will do it for episode two. I remember oh, what I was going to say. I got it. All right. At some point, guys, we're going to have a Q&A. Yeah podcast i think it, we may do an extra one during the week or maybe uh one towards the off season or something like that maybe we hope that it's a time where we have a first round bye in the playoffs and we're able to do it that week if that's the case we'll sort of preview our playoff game and then ha- take a q a where you can ask us any questions about the terriers this year in the past whatever you want to ask us and that's always fun for us to do and i and i'll post on the on the terrier fans message board when mm-hmm. we need that try to get some questions i'll also post this episode too on there as well so guys continue to like share our page comment um you know tell your friends tell former walford players tell everyone associated with walford or with anyone yeah we're trying to get the brand out here we've had a great response from episode one let's keep it going guys let's keep it building and uh we're like i said we have some fun stuff in the works with some with some guests coming on we're getting some lined up if you or anyone you may know wants to come on, feel free to contact us on any of our social media accounts or contact me directly um, off, of the, off of the message board by email. So guys, thanks again for all the continued support. We hope this is the second episode of Many to Come. And Mike, take us out. Thank you guys for listening. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter. at You can follow me at, at MikeBennettQFP. You can also follow Kevin at KBennett underscore five. You can, of course, follow the show at at shorthairedog. And that's all about all we can say. Listen to us on SoundCloud and on Twitter. You can find us at the Shorthaired Dog Podcast. So, for Kevin and everyone here at the Shorthaired Dog, I'm Michael Bennett, and we'll see you next time. Go Terriers. Go Terriers. Let's celebrate.